Welcome to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff, Woo! the podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss the week in LGBT plus history. We are Thomas, Tony, Kendall, and we're here to talk about the week that was July 28th through August 1st in LGBT history. Uh, and this week we'll discuss Beth Ford, uh, Compton's riot in San Francisco, and Tim Gunn. So Beth Ford being a CEO, the first lesbian CEO. Uh, Compton's right. We led into that a little bit a few episodes ago. Uh, so Tony's going to wrap up that conversation with us. And then uh, we'll actually start with Tim Gunn, who we know from uh, reality TV and, and fashion fame. Uh, but before we get into that, a little word from our sponsors. Hey, this is from Economy Works. Hey, did you know the unemployment rate is under 4% in the U.S.? If you are trying to hire someone, then you probably already know that because you are having trouble finding candidates. Economy Works is here to help. Don't have time, energy, or the resources to hire? Economy Works is ready to help you write job descriptions, find candidates, review resumes, and phone screen candidates. Let the Economy Works Talent ha- Network help you do more with less. Economy Works. When we work, the Economy Works. Find out more at economyworks.com. All right, so now that we got business out of the way, you better work, economy. You better work. Any any good stuff happening this past week, or leading into next week, Tony? Mm. As you turn the big forty, you know you don't look it, you don't act it either. Thank you. Exactly. As I said in my party invitation, so I'm having a little birthday party. I'm turning forty. So, you know, sometimes I act like 25, like when I ride my scooter drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Then sometimes I act 90 when I'm like in bed at 830 every night. So yes, when you take your teeth out. Yes. (laughs) That's not just when he goes to sleep. Did you get your little situation figured out for your party? Not that we're going to reveal it because, uh, you know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to that. Good to go. Sadly, I wasn't invited. No, I'm kidding. I'm just looking forward to celebrating. Uh, That was on purpose. That was on purpose. Looking forward. Do you feel anything like any uh, uh, looking back, like in you know, in life and looking forward? Uh, do you do you have any sort of, sort of emotions? I, I say that because I know when I do you have any emotions? Thirty left? thirty was something for me. Like it was a, like one of those things. You know what's crazy like about that? Is. So today I went to lunch with my two coworkers, and they're both turning thirty within the next few months. And so for me, when I turned thirty, when I was about 27, 28, I thought, oh my god, thirty, and then. When it was time to turn 30, I thought, man, I'm ready for this. And so I'm looking forward to my 40s. I think they're going to be great. It's going to be a great decade, great years. But my two coworkers who are turning 30 this year, I was like, so are you ready to turn 30? Are you like, you know, oh, my God, dragons. They're like, both of them are like, well, like, you know, I don't have a Rolex yet. So I'm kind of like bummed that like that's my financial situation. I'm like, wow. Oh, you work in banking, though. (laughs) The pretentious, you know, sperm exactly. banking. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, sperm bank. Well, he used to work at the sperm bank, but he got fired. Drinking on the job. Said <laughs> so, like a Kendall. lady funny joke. <laughs> it's true, but I mean, I don't want everyone knowing it. So I feel like I direct future. Did you? Oh, yeah. you did? No, I mean, I still dread it. It's two years away. <laughs> two years away, huh? I hate to admit my age at this point, yeah. but it's it bound to come out. Just a young 28-year-old, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was dreading 30 40 I don't care like I I'm just oblivious like 30 I was like I'm gonna have a party um and so I planned an event and and you know with some friends and 
in Vegas and I geeked out. I put an agenda out and we had like, here's the, the places we're going to be because I'm a dress code. I'm that nerd. Yeah. Dress code. I gave them swag bags. Um, oh, so, wow. yeah, they had little liquor bottles. Oh, the sad thing about that was like, I gave little liquor bottles and treats like in like snack, like hangover food, bottled water, Tylenol and their swag bag. Uh, and then it turns out we were staying at Planet Hollywood, who had just opened up uh, that hotel. And so they were giving out free bottles of liquor. So that was a voucher. So like full size bottles of like, so my little uh, swag bag of tequila, vodka, gin, like no one cared I mean, because you could get a free bottle of, which actually helped because we also ran at a cabana during that, uh, a couple cabanas during that uh, trip. And so it worked nice. out okay. But uh, yeah, that was, that was fun. Like 40 though, I said I was going to do something big and here we are. I'm looking at like two months now and I have not planned anything. Well, yeah. I typically never do anything for my birthday, and so I was like, well, I'll do something. But I was thinking, oh, maybe I should do something like that, like have a little swag bag for people. And I'm like, no, you know, I'm not creative at all. Well, let us know how it goes. Yeah, I will. (laughs) I didn't even, like, I I was totally nerded out for, but this is the context of, like, 2009. I put together a mix CD of, like, the number one singles over the last 30 years. And so, but of course no one listens to CDs now, but it was the number one. So I went to, I did the research on Billboard and so what was the number one song that year. And so it was a nice little It's funny you say that because I still have CDs. And so I have this CD thing in my car. And the other day I was like driving and I thought, oh, let me throw in. I came across this blank CD. I thought, what is this? And my friend John, he used to have a New Year's Eve party every year. And a giveaway was he, you know, made a CD of like his favorite music that was released that year and so that was the cd i was like oh yeah um, because i made this freaking cd i have like nickelback on my freaking itunes now which really is upsetting i have nickelback i have like some random like all these i mean think of the worst 80s and 90s songs although they were top you know hits yeah number one in that year but a lot of one hit wonders and it's like i have uh howie day had a bad day like it's just it's awful so but, uh, but yeah, it was fun. Like I said, 40, though, I've got some friends like, hey, we're going to do something for your 40th. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, the plan is to go to New Crying Orleans. In the dark, right. You know. but, hey, that would um, be fun. When is your birthday? November? October. October. Yeah. So I uh, go for Halloween. Yeah. Well, it's at the beginning of October. So I've got to figure something out. And you out. are a detail oriented engineer type. So, of course, it has to be that weekend. I'm not even I'm not even an engineer. But yes, I, have, I know. I you're have more a, of an engineer than I am. I, I, <laughs> I have details. tendencies. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't think I well, definitely won't be any swag bag last minute CD making, but, uh, if I manage to pull it together, it'll be an email that goes out the weekend before I'm like, Hey, if you guys want to go to New hey, Orleans, people. of course, all the friends and family Still are, checking your junk mail now. are, are all, junk, you know, right. married with kids. Oh, you said junk. And Tony was like, huh? Uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what, uh, what happens, but I'm excited for your 40th. Like I'm glad you're doing it before Hashtag I am. me too. You can I mean, pound t- me too. Pound me too. You can <laughs> tell me about all the fun that is 40. Um, so obviously you're the young buck, Kendall, anything going on in your world? Obviously not turning 40. Other than being young. Yeah. Other than being youthful. Yeah. My balls are still firm. Well, that's, I'm, I'm not near 40 yet. Uh, before we started this podcast episode, you know, we did our, a, uh, 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 Ben was here, Kendall's boyfriend and he was trying, cause Tony, remember we talked about being injured from, uh, his scooter accident and. Um, now know, I have we, a life-threatening hernia. Yeah, so we were trying to figure out if he had hernia. So Ben was trying to figure out, was trying to test him. He wanted to cup his balls and have him cough. So um, yeah, so apparently we all Ben's a doctor. His hernia, and we all agreed that if he had a hernia, his balls would be much bigger than they already are. Turns out he just has blue balls. No. <laughs> we actually only saw one. <laughs> you, I don't think it's dropped yet. Your fortieth birthday is when it will drop. Oh, 
Mazel tov. Yes. Yes. Then I'll actually have a deep voice. Speaking of men's private parts, so didn't you post something this week, uh, Kendall, about uh, people's private parts on social? Oh, what my Whataburger what experience. What yeah, happened at Whataburger? Whataburger is, of course, a famous Texas uh, hamburger chain, right? Only it's in Texas. In for Louisiana. our non-Texas listeners, it is like a cult. This fast food chain. So I go just for Diet Coke because I'm a Diet Coke fiend, and I can. Spend and the hours people watching. There. Yeah, but I go for Diet Coke, and the people watch because if you spend two hours like I do on a normal day. At Whataburger, you could see so many soap operas. Yay. Like, what did you see this it. week? And then, of what course, happened? they have to, like, live tweet it or whatever you young people call What'd it. What did you see this week? There was a no, homeless you're woman old. You put it on Facebook. Corner, and I'm on my phone, and all of a sudden, she pops up and says, Butthole! <laughs> nice. There, sorry for your speakers, <laughs> folks. And you're I thought, like, where, where, where? Was she reading my mind? <laughs> But uh, I looked around, like, did that really just happen? But these employees are so, like, battle-tested. They've seen so much. They didn't even Oh, yeah. Them. They just kind of gave her a look. And I'm like, I want to be like, yeah, bottle. That's something we could all agree on. What did, was there, was she, was it just like, uh, was it a moment of, like, a Tourette's? Or was she, did she, she was see a bottle? She shot up. I don't know oh. if she had a nightmare about it or a fantasy or what. Or was she calling someone? Okay, well, I wanted to know, I wanted to know all about it. You didn't ask? You didn't kiki with Kendall? You're like, listen, I need this for our podcast. Let's talk yes. about Kendall. Yeah. Can we talk about butthole stuff? Wait. So that was amazing. <laughs> nice. Was she cute? So, I would say she's probably 60, but the meth made her look. Late 70s, so Ooh. all things considered, yeah, I think she's pretty doable. <laughs> so, you know, that's my first question. Anytime anybody's <laughs> name is mentioned, I'm like, are they cute? Are they cute? Are they? <laughs> do you, there was that. Spell, um, Tony, yeah, Tony, we just we need to find something for you. When you recover, when you're fully recovered, because I don't want you getting an injury, you know, trying to. Because like I was saying earlier, I think you're just going to maul someone, and then you're going to re-injure yourself. And then because you're old now, it's going to take you twice as long to recover. Oh, I know. And then you're gonna your dry spell is gonna be the full decade of forty. That'll be a fun. It's like, already been long recovery. I feel like my last scooter accident, I recovered way faster. <laughs> it was more severe. Was it? Yeah. You and your scooter accidents. Uh, no more scooter. No more scooter. Well, just limited scooter. Bus rides only for you. Yes. I think you get a discount now. No. Okay. Enough with the old jokes because I'm A-A-R-P. just as old as you are. Oh, no, I'm signing up. No <laughs> Get them discounts, girl. And then you can ride exactly. the bus and they'll send you back to Montana. Speaking of sending back uh, our president and those all those politics uh, that are going on, I don't want to talk about the president because there are enough shows that talk about the president. Um, so I want some. No, but. I want. I, I want some some sound some signs of promise on the on the dem side. You it, the field is finally narrowing. You've got one guy out. Uh, so Swalwell. what do we have now, like 24 left? No, we only have 20-something 20, <laughs> 20 candidates left. Any, any early when is the only remote eye candy left. When Swalwell. is the next debate? 30th and 31st. Coming up, yeah. So this oh, week. Birthday. The, yeah, so do Let's th- cancel. I'm going to go. I'm going to watch debates instead of going to this birthday party. Can we all agree to do that? Go for it, please. <laughs> you weren't invited to the party, remember? <laughs> oh, I wasn't invited. Uh, yeah. So, no, but uh, leading up to the debate, so this this podcast will get released the week of uh, before the next debate. So any speculation, any thoughts in terms of what's going to happen to the field? Starting that, like I consistently hear that there's a top five and maybe there's some folks yeah. that are going to, it's not going to shift from there. It's no. going to be the same top five. I don't think anyone, I don't no, think but five hopefully like, then- hopefully what will happen though is cause you know, after the first one, cause you know, at, at some point it gets to be about like who can, you know, really have the most supporters and raise the most money. And so, 
hopefully each debate there will be enough, you know, a, a number of people that say, okay, after the debate, I didn't get a bump, you know, like I'm not making as much money as the others, and they'll just kind of, so hopefully it'll kind of wind down to like three or four or five over several debates. Yeah. Well, the criteria for the each debate gets a little bit harder starting September. the one in September, yeah. I think. You know, it's crazy though. So, you know, I'm friends with a lot of these candidates on Facebook, and you know, they all say, oh, just chip in Name $1. Dropper. I was like, oh, I know. Well, I follow them. Maybe Marianne Williams. But, you <laughs> yeah. know, they all say, donate $1 because they just need number of donors. And yep. Yeah. So you're donating to all of them? No. No? Like, then you want to get blasted with it. You do, you make one donation and you're forever mm. blasted with their Well, I feel campaign. just because I donated, like, in the last election, um, I'm already on certain email lists. So, yeah. like, call lists. Harris, Warren. Yeah. Yeah. All Russian intelligence. Yes. Yes. I love Apparently that face uh, app that we were talking about is it supposed to be associated with the Russians. I didn't even do anything, but multiple people. Did your <clears throat> Kendall. <laughs> Actually, I didn't apply the filter to yours. <laughs> took it straight off Facebook. So there you go. You're like, I just removed the airbrushing. <laughs> the Russians were like, uh-uh, I'm not even touching that. You look, you look younger. They're oh, like, they, oh, that poor guy. You, you, like, oh, you, you look younger. So, what though? So, any front runners? Any, any, any predictions uh, for you, Kendall? Like, I mean, I know you you researched the heck out of this stuff. Like, uh, nominee, I think is going to be Warren or Harris. Warren or Harris? I sent you guys the quote, you know, because there was an article about uh, you know, can they be on the same ticket? My favorite quote is Selena Meyer from Veep. What is she? What, what was the what, quote? What did she say? She's like, Whoa. she's like, two women on the ticket. What did she say? Anyway, she ends a quote saying. Why don't we just all start eating pussy? Like, <laughs> do you want heads to explode? Like, I love that show. That's the yeah, best. That's a, I mean, I and you know, oddly enough, I think I would think that you could find a meme or a gif or something like that. I search all the time. I had to go back and look at the episode and find it. It's uh. season four, episode like five, so episode four. So, if you want to hear Selena Meyer talk about the implausibility of two women on a ticket, there you go. So, uh, what about uh, the, um, Bernie or? Um, uh, your boyfriend. Uh, Leave your personal Biden. feelings out of it. Yeah. You, oh, Bernie. Leave your lust out of it. Uh, he's not going to be the nominee because he's like yesterday. All the list. other candidates have picked what he's popular for, so they're like taking all his yeah. greatest hits from 2016, and now you can get whatever Bernie was selling, but in a different package. In a cuter package. Right. Plus, if you're like, if your thing is like, oh, Trump's an angry, you know, old white dude. Like, I mean, I know they have different policy stances, but really, Biden and well, Biden less so, but Bernie is an angry old white dude. Like, yeah. why do I want someone is going to be? But <laughs> that's what makes this podcast fun. No, I, uh, I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't think, I don't like that. To me, like, that's not the brand. I know we're, you know, we need to be looking more on brand. It's just like if you're saying you're going to vote against Trump because you don't want his angry rhetoric. Like? Um, uh, I like Kamala. I like, I like Kamala. Julian I like, Castro. No, definitely not Julian. I know. Julian. I like Buttigieg, but I feel like he's going to be a good ambassador to China or something yeah. like that. Like that's Sodom what he needs to go. Yeah, I mean that's what I think is his right post, like to go into like an ambassador role and then become a cabinet, like in the second term of Kamala Harris. So uh, that's my prediction. Like back, my background's HR. I like to do succession planning, so that's I'm, I'm planning his his, uh, his his next move. So Secretary of State. Yeah. Secretary, of, he could do that. Like down the road, like he can do it now. No, right, I agree. He can be secretaries now. <laughs> 
true. Like Secretary of State, like, uh, um, well, shit, they had Rex Tillerson as the Secretary of State, and he had all of no experience. I know. Having very familiar with the company that Rex Tillerson came from, like, to me, it was the biggest uh, chuckle, uh, knowing that he came from a company that was highly structured, no surprises. He was basically the boss for the last yes, like, that's why 15 years of his he career. Took that role. Uh, I mean, he wasn't, he was the CEO for 10 years, but prior to that, he was in the, basically in a role telling people what to do and then to go and be the secretary of state, which normally is a prominent position that you get to do some stuff. Um, I mean, he was, he was constantly bombarded by surprises from his boss, like being told by tweet. Yeah, it was, he got fired by a tweet. I know this guy was no surprises. It's like baffles my mind, but nonetheless, that is the uh, state of, of current politics again. Um, you know, I, I've sounded, I think in previous podcasts as I listened back to some of them, like, um, not that optimistic about, but I mean, I feel like there is a compelling case against Trump, right? I mean, if you take all the indictments from his campaign, right, that the, the Mueller report put out, you take out, you take the fact that all of his cabinet members, he basically has two or three cabinet members still around. Yeah. Some, most of those have either, not most of them, they've left either because they resigned because they were being investigated or just they, they, they didn't want to do it anymore, um, or they left in disgrace. Like so, to for all that to happen, like I don't know how those aren't just random talking points. Like like not random, but I have so solid team. solid talking points for. But you know, I do I do feel candidate. like he's very polarizing, and you know, just like this week when he was uh, talking about the Congresswomen, they should go back to the countries they're from. His supporters, I think, are like hell yeah, I've been waiting for somebody to be like this, you know, and so. I mean, I've been told go back to where you came from, like most of my life. So uh, it's not surprising. It's, it's surprising is that it's the well, president of the United it States. The first time I said it, <laughs> but the other times he did. Yeah, it's like now go back. The thing is, what I've told people before when he got elected is like I'm going to get deported. Everyone giggled and said, "Oh no, that's not the case." Mm-hmm. Now I think it's even more real. I was like, "No, see, he's trying to send me back to a country. I'm of Mexican heritage. I've been here for four or five generations." Like. I would have nowhere to go. Like, yeah. it's crazy. So I don't even have an aunt or great-grandmother or anything. By the way, my grandmother just turned 81. She looks amazing. She's cute. I saw your yeah. Facebook picture. She's so, really cute. She's fun. So maybe I'll be like her when I grow up. Uh, with she the, needs to be a guest on this so we can invite her. When we get deported. <laughs> yeah, she'll have to be a special guest. But I don't know. Like, that, all the everything. Yes, Trump fatigue. I'm there. I, I used Done. to follow. Hashtag. I, mean, about him in 2020. I, I still follow him in, uh, on Twitter. Uh, but I don't want to read like before I would like I wanted to see what the man I said. I could not even. Now I don't. I don't care. Like that's like it just. I stopped reading the news for a couple of months after the election because I was like I just sick of seeing his name every yep. time I open the news. It's it's exhausting. So uh, let's talk about more uh, fun stuff. Let's talk about let's some talk, gay let's stuff. Let's talk about gay stuff. You guys want to talk about gay stuff? Always. All right. Well, what uh, what sort of gay stuff do we have to talk about? Okay. Kendall? Question, boys. Gay question? boys. Da-na-na-na-na. When does you hear? What does this remind you of? Wait, hold on. Let me get the... Make it work. Like uh, RuPaul? <laughs> no. Make it work. Does that sound familiar to anybody here? You're, you're asking, to hear that? You're asking no. Tony, who but doesn't watch, watch TV, TV, and me, who doesn't pay attention to reality oh, TV. man. People are screaming at home listening. To this I bet thing. our intern or intern's intern would no. know. The intern doesn't know. This is before his time. Uh-oh. Uh, so it's... <laughs> Our Tim Gunn, who yep. is the fashion mentor on Project Runway, Uh-oh. started in 2004. It's actually his birthday, July 29th. He was born in 1953. Oh, okay. Okay. So y'all didn't watch that show? 
I mean, I watched it because you, when we were dating, you made me watch it. But and you complained about it, but you sure watched it every single I know. Time. Just, like, <laughs> didn't leave the room. But uh, so Tim Gunn is like the fashion mentor and obsessed with him. I used to be. Yes, I had a crush on him. Apparently, I'm learning through this podcast that I have a like silver old daddy old white man. I always told you you had daddy issues. Just kidding. It's a, see, look, I get this look, and it's like, oh, too real. There's a there's a line you can cross with Kendall. Like, don't tell me I have daddy issues. Uh, Hopefully, he'll call in, and we can um, get erotic. Hopefully, he'll follow us. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Hopefully in he'll 2004, start he started as the fashion mentor on Project 1A. Run one way. He uh, was on it until 2018. He's going to leave the show and do it with the host, Heidi Klum, a separate show on Amazon of, like, fashion, whatever. You always said, though, when we used to watch it, you're like, I want to be Tim Tim Gunn. Like, you wanted to be – you still want to be him? I'm obsessed with the way he talks. Yeah. You're like, I want to talk like him. He talks so properly and – Yeah. Like – Where's he from? Is he English? He's from Washington, (laughs) D.C. Oh. But (laughs) – What's with the accent? No, listen. One time somebody said – and they meant it as an insult, and they said, you sound like Tim Gunn. And I went, oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> you really think so? Tell me why. And they were like, why would you want to sound like him? It was He's me. fascinating I told to me. That. He does seem kidding. a bit stuffy. Uh, kind of. I, I think he is Sometimes often. he'll surprise you. Does RuPaul channel him in, no. uh, in Drag Race? No. No, It's, I don't it's think a bit so of like, a, I'm going to come to the room. What are you working on? I'm going to give you this. Well, he pulled from behind. that show. Uh, wait. Because Tim Gunn's role in Project Runway is kind of like the – he goes around and critiques the clothes yeah. and gives them tips and all that kind of stuff. Doesn't RuPaul but do that? But RuPaul does that. But RuPaul, yes, pulled from the concept of that show and pulled from other reality yeah, shows. Yeah. What's the other one with Tyra Banks? Tyra Banks. Top America's model. next top model. Kind of Project Runway in that one um, he copied from. But it works. But he does it in a RuPaul style. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering if that was an inspiration. So Tim Gunn was born July 29th in Washington, D.C., he had a really, researching this, he had a really sad childhood. He was super depressed. He had a stutter until he was 19. And it made him super, super shy and introverted. And his dad was so homophobic that he later said that he wondered if his dad was a closet case. Oh, really? Like, hated the gays so much but because he yeah. was dealing with it. Yeah, because I honestly feel, honestly feel like when people hate gays that much, you know. Yeah, why? Yeah. I always yeah. assume yeah. in the closet or dealing with something. Or yeah. You had a finger up your booty once or something, and you can't get Ugh. over it. So his father I don't know. Was okay, can we just um, pause on that? Like, because I was reading an article, and, like, there's all this, like, talk on on Pence about being closeted gay. Like, can't people just be is. just be ugly? Like, I mean, that's what – I mean, I, don't I, think I, I like I, my, I think he's across the board. But the like, thing is, what, like, I feel religious. if they pinpoint – I mean, if somebody's, like, bitter and hates everybody, but if somebody's, like – Especially anti-gay. Yeah, like if they're anti like one thing. Well, that I feel like it gives gays like a bad like. Oh, he's just a cl-. like the same thing we were talking about recently. Like uh, you know, gay child molesters. Not all child molesters are gay, but there are molesters that are gay, yeah. and there are also molesters that are straight. But not all bitter people are gay. You know what I mean? And no, so- but I mean I think like um, like some people, if they are gay before they come out, they do hate. Yeah, like, it's no homo. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking I'm just about saying, the extreme, though. He said his dad was so homophobic that, and he his dad thought, and his mom thought gays were sexual predators. So when Tim Gunn was like, initially struggling with his homosexuality, he was in denial because he was like, 
I'm going to be a sexual predator because he, oh, yeah. he could not separate according to the way he was raised um, being like. Well, uh, but I, I guess that's my point. When you when you dismiss people that are actually just evil and say, oh, yeah. it's probably because they're secretly gay. Like it, it you know, screws with your mind a bit, especially if you're younger saying, oh, well, maybe I, I'm going to turn out to be that way. I'm going to be, you know, a molester or like and that's not the case. It's just like there are some bad people in the world that um, happen to be gay or whatever. But like, again, I just say that because, like I said, I, there's, you know, people are always writing Pence as um, not in a gay way, but like uh, that, you know, he's just a closeted homo. And I'm like, that's an easy excuse. And that's actually a yeah, bad thing for gays. Overly religious. He corrupts his own. We just got a word from Google. Google's, Google Home is listening to us. So his dad was an FBI agent, and then he transitioned to J. Edgar Hoover, the FBI director. Never mind, he his, was gay. As his speechwriter. <laughs> and J. Edgar Hoover, was, it was rumored that he was a cross-dresser. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And he used to go on these vacations, and they were found these letters of him like talking to one of his employees in a very suspicious manner like he was always with this guy in other words it was rumored that he was gay can i so i wonder if someone who's that like anti-gay later find hears the rumors and finds out like do you hate your boss can i also go on an aside on on that like the closet like the rumors of people from the the olden days being gay i say this because you know we put out the the daily you know uh day in lgbt history and there are a lot of cases because we got some especially with Catherine hepburn we got some folks saying oh she wasn't lesbian my point is like there weren't any records of people being out like people yeah. were you know gay and bisexual in yeah. the 30s 40s and 50s and people weren't out so like i always struggle with like putting those things out because i don't want to perpetuate rumors but I do think there is like you hear enough cases where yeah. it's like, well, then that person was probably gay, right? I yeah. mean, just like we can't just dance around. Especially and be like, if there's like evidence, like letters. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I just don't like when it's said as fact. Like there's there are certain people that say Abraham Lincoln's gay. No. Like th- what proof do you have? Right. But I, have I think it's fair proof. to put the so when it's said as fact, it's the facts out bothers. there. I mean, I know which I do try to you know I think our, our account does try to caveat saying that it was reported and there's been rumors, but nonetheless, like I said. So I'm sorry to go on that aside. I just wanted to. It's hard, like in, in cases like that where someone sounds homophobic. You don't know. Thomas is gay. <laughs> no, my my point is, it's like there are cases where people in history were. Uh, were gay or bisexual or lesbian, but you don't have any record of it. So it doesn't mean they weren't. It's just, but if you have enough evidence to say that it means they the were, sex tape hasn't leaked yet. Right? Can you imagine those grainy sex tapes that would have come out oh, like the, on the film work. strips? You guys would all remember film strips. Yes. If I told Spencer film strips, he'd be like, "Huh, what is that?" Remember the slide projector? Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Sorry. So back to Tim. Tim. Uh, Tim was so he grew, his household was so homophobic that he was actually suicidal. And at 17, he said he'd been to sent to so many psychologists and so many boarding houses, or boarding schools, I should say. He ate 100 pills and then went to bed very like, I'm at peace with myself, and woke up. He was like, damn it, I woke up. At 17? Oh, my God. Yeah, and so oh man. at 17, because wow. he was scared to death to come out of the closet. Wow. He, and this is another thing that's interesting. I've wanted to bring this up before. Tim Gunn never actually came out. He's like, I don't have a coming out. I just kind of started having boyfriends. Never told my parents I was gay, ever, to this day. Tim Gunn is 65. Did he bring his boyfriends around? No. Oh. Those his were his mom, roommates, his friends. His mom was like, don't you ever want to be with someone? Don't you want to, in your old age? He's like, no, mom. Like he just, He's like, really, mom? 
Mm-hmm. He's thinking, you should know this by now. But he never came out, which that reminds me of, I was in San Francisco on a layover when I was a flight attendant. It was actually the day, it was San Francisco Gay Pride, and it was the day gay marriage was legalized nationwide. And I started talking to this guy in the bar, older guy, and all the employees knew and called him the professor. And he went by, he introduced himself as the professor, and I said, oh, what do you teach? He said, nothing, they just think I'm smart. Like, you can't be throwing around the professor. Tony was going to be called everyone's uncle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he... I asked him, we had this conversation, I said, when did you come out of the closet? And he very kind of like defensively, angrily said, you need to get over that. Not everyone comes out of the closet. I just lived my life. And a lot of gay people just live their life and they don't, not everyone has this big story of, let's talk about the time I came out. And as weird as Wait, not everyone wants to talk about gay stuff? As weird as I thought it was, it actually made, it was a nice eye-opening, like, different point of view. Because we all assume someone struggles with it and has the time of when I told the first person. Especially I feel generationally, you know, like, um, you know, that, but also other things like generationally there are, you know, things that are consistent within that generation, but different generation to generation. It was interesting. So, but Tim Gunn says that he says, I never really came out. He did have a breakup in his early twenties and he was so depressed. He had to tell someone and that's when he told his sister and she took it very well, but they never really talked about it after that. Wow. But Tim Gunn dated a guy in the 70s for six years, broke up with him in 1982, and has not had sex or dated since. Since 82? Yes. That sounds like Tony. The guy cheated on him. Uh, and he was just he that devastated? Be, yeah. He, the guy cheated on him, and that kind of traumatized him. And then he said right after that, it was the whole AIDS crisis. No, and so he was he just was paranoid. kind of scared and paranoid to... To have sex with anyone so he even said he wondered if he was asexual so he str- kind of struggled with that hmm. i don't like boys i don't like girls like- it also makes you wonder too if when he grew up if he was so ingrained in his family being anti-gay that he just it's so into his psyche that it's a bad thing that he just it might be a struggle for like having sex might be a struggle for him or just, you know, it, at some level he thinks, oh, my God, this is bad, even though, like, this is who I am. There are some psychological hang-ups, I think. Yeah. And I think it goes back to him being very fearful, fearful growing up about his sexuality. Mm-hmm. He even says now he doesn't, with students, with friends, or whatever, he doesn't really talk about it. Really? There was this whole article written about, like, someone psychoanalyzing him about what kind of issues is he dealing with to where, first of all, is he scared of sex? And second of all... Um, why are you not openly we all know you're gay because you talk about it to the press but you won't talk about it to people in general yeah like his friends and yeah yeah, it's kind of crazy I think that's a lot of that has to do with his buttoned up persona yeah he's always in a suit Mm -hmm. he's always like looking impeccable and sounding very intelligent and very like his he thinks of every word that's going to come out of his mouth I still love him though he's still a cutie pie but his, his thing was, make it work. And what else do you say? Chris knew it. Carry on. And designers. His voice, <laughs> I love his voice. I used to just listen to YouTube videos of him talking sometimes. <laughs> furiously beat off. No, just kidding. Right. One of that's true, the other one's not. Kidding, not kidding. 
But his alter ego is actually Tim Watergun, and he says, make it squirt. Oh, really? Ah! <laughs> oh, I love is that, a, is, that his I grind, love is that his grinder profile? Make it squirt. Tim, Tim squirt? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So Timmy Gunn, huh? Tim Gunn. Tim Gunn. Tim Gunn. Make Tim squirt. Wow. All right. Well, I don't know how we go from squirting to... Uh, the riots that happened uh, in San fashion, Francisco, duh. but uh, maybe there's a fashion element to this story. Maybe you got a maybe you got a, a good transition for us, Tony. So uh, there is a lot of fashion to this story that we'll get into. My f- one of my f- favorite Gaga songs is "Fashion." No, no one knows that. Come on, mm-hmm. Kendall. Come it on, sounded back a little me differently though. When <laughs> I would have <laughs> <do it. clears throat> She sounded did really it? good. Looking yeah, good and looking fine. That wasn't the original version, but she did a duet with oh, Paul on her Thanksgiving special. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. She was in like one foot platform heels and she, she like like one foot like she was just this poor yeah she was six feet tall all of a sudden, but RuPaul was seven feet tall in that uh, version. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, all right, so tell us. So the uh, yeah the Compton cafeteria riot in San Francisco. So we talked a little bit about. Compton cafeteria a couple weeks ago um, to kind of background for those who didn't listen to that episode, you know, in the sixties, the tenderloin district was San Francisco's gay area. So it was where, you know, all the gay bars were and where all the gays hung out, but you know, it was a pretty dangerous and rough area. There was a lot of drugs, a lot of crime and uh, you know, the police kind of controlled it and they really, you know, went there with, uh, you know, they would threaten businesses to be closed or threaten to arrest uh, drag queens or cross-dressers, you know, in order to get money. Um, So, you know, in the 60s, it was tough enough to be gay, but then to be transgender or a drag queen, it was extra tough. I mean, they, um, you know, their families kicked them out. A lot of places wouldn't even rent to them. And then a lot of these people couldn't get work because they were too feminine as a guy, but then if they were a cross-dresser, and so they had to be, uh, many of them were prostitutes. So in the Tenderloin, there was a cafeteria called Compton's Cafeteria. It was 24 hours. Everybody went there. You know, it was kind of a, you know, uh, everybody in the Tenderloin would go there. And um, the drag queens would go there kind of later on in the night, early morning, you know, to kind of get off the streets, be safe for a little bit. Um, Because, you know, they could get arrested just for walking down the street. A lot of their clients would, like, rape them, murder them. I mean, they would, you know try to remove their genitalia sometimes. So it was a very safe space for them. But it was also, you know, because a lot of these people had come from all over the country and uh, they couldn't really um, be themselves. And so they kind of found their home. And this was one place where they were safe and it was a place to show off their fashion. And so this cafeteria, it was on a corner lot. It was all windows. And so, you know, people would, you know, really try to get window seats so they could see everybody walking by and then, Anytime somebody came in, you'd look like, what, you know, what are they wearing? But it was also a place where they could check up on each other. So they would go there at 2, 3, 4 in the morning, like, did anybody get murdered tonight? Did anyone... That's crazy. Can yeah. you imagine like, yeah. now, like, when we go out and, like, did Tony make it? Did he get murdered tonight? Like, that. Now, that's... if you go to Waffle House, you probably will get murdered. But that's just by going there. Just because of the heart attack you're going to have from the doubled, covered, smothered uh, hash browns. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so Compton's was. Um, it was kind of their safe haven. 
But Compton's, they didn't really like this because they felt, okay, they're chasing away good customers, and then also the police could shut them down or raid them because it was illegal to be cross-dressers. And um, so what they would do is they would call the cops and have them come, harass them, take them home. And so, you know, a couple weeks before this riot happened, um, you know, they picketed because these, these drag queens and these transgender prostitutes, they just got so fed up because... They were literally fighting for survival every day. There were only a couple hotels that would rent them rooms for um, to live in, and that's where they kind of had to take their their you know tricks back to. And um, you know it was just a very tough life, and this was their one refuge. And so the cops and and the cops were very humiliating when they would arrest them. They would shave their heads. Sometimes the cops would demand blowjobs and things like that, demand money to not be taken to jail. Um, and if you gave the cops any guff, they could say, oh, well, this is a disease, so we're putting you in solitary for 60 days. Oh, yeah. So they tried to picket a couple weeks before this, mid-July, and it really was unsuccessful. You know, at the time, the gay community didn't really support transgender or, or drag queens. So on – and it's the day – this actually – we'll get to this later, but this event was lost in history. So nobody really knows the specific date, but a couple weeks after the – picket which was july 18th the cops were called to come in and get all the drag queens out of there and the cop went up and grabbed this drag queen and she thought fuck it i'm not taking this she threw a cup of coffee in his face and then all hell broke loose and so you know people were throwing tables over this cafe was all windows they busted every window out they threw sugar shakers and dishes through the windows um and, you know, they a lot of these drag queens, they would have, like, uh, whiskey bottles and things like that in their purse for protection because, you know, clients would try to rape them or, you know, mutil- mutilate their genitalia. So they were swinging their purses. They were grabbing their heels and stabbing the cops. Um, and so, you know, it actually went out. The cops left <laughs> and went out into the street, and everybody followed them out there. And so there were about 60 people, it's estimated, and they were arrested. But um, You said 6-0? Six zero, yeah. So it was kind of the first, you know, major uprising against police by the LGBT community, and so it was. Th- this was three years before the Stonewall riots, and it's interesting. So Compton's immediate reaction was, "Okay, no more crossdressers or transgender people." So the next night, they the next day, Compton's had replaced all their windows. They went back and busted them all out, and they were like, "Fuck this! We're not going to take this." And so the next night, it seemed like a lot of other people from the area joined in. And so it was kind of a turning point, you know, for and it was kind of like some articles that I read said it was the immediate aftermath was not much different. But over time, like cops were less aggressive to the, you know, transgender and and drag queens and stuff. so many parallels to Stonewall, but no one really knows about it. Yeah. And so the interesting thing is. The reason this was lost in history is the police department uh, deleted it from their records and no media would cover it when it happened because it was like, who cares? And uh, there was a Ph.D. student decades later, I think like in the 90s, that was going through some archives and she found a blurb and she thought, what is this? And she she was having a hard time like finding any info on it. And she was able to find some people that participated in the riot. And she interviewed them, and that's and so there's a documentary on Amazon, but there are several articles. That's how it came to be. Um, well, it's fascinating how they she tried to parse that right there because there were accounts like, oh, it was a warm summer summer day, and like 
you know, they they fact checked all that. Like, well, the weather wasn't warm that day, so they were trying to figure out when it actually happened. And yeah, and they, they like they really can't <clears throat> uh, pinpoint the day. But a couple things that are interesting about this is, you know, there were a few groups in San Francisco at the time that were trying to, uh, you know, fight for LGBT rights. But, it, you know, people just kind of wanted to lay low because they didn't want to lose their jobs, you know. And uh, these people that night, they were not trying to start a huge movement. They literally like, I want to be left alone. I want to sit here and drink my coffee. They weren't thinking of this grand you know, movement or anything. Well, and the, so that part of town was trans area. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even gay. Like the gays were in their own different part. And the gays and the transgendered, which is still true to this day for the most part, they consider themselves separate communities. And they don't always and it's sad, yeah. And help I mean, each other out. Yeah, so and at that this time, was literally a trans riot. Yeah, it, it was. It was trans. Not a gay riot. It wasn't. And at the time, they were not allowed in gay bars, and that's why they went to this cafeteria because they were not allowed in gay bars. And it's and so after this, it seemed like the next day when they went back and they were not allowed and they busted all the windows. That's when other people kind of started to join in, and um. That was kind of the beginning of like a little bit of meld between the communities because but that's why the picket nothing happened because the gays were like we don't care if they don't let you in we don't you know they didn't support uh, transgender people or crossdressers but it, it was interesting because um, they they weren't even so you couldn't even walk down the street so if you were feminine enough to be a dancer or something like that you had to like wear male clothes till you got to the place where you worked and then change and then change before you went home. And they weren't even allowed to go to women's clothing stores and try on clothes. They would have to take the clothes home, try them on, and then just return. But after after this, you know, it started to change. I can't imagine, though, because we have a drag queen friend that we know, uh, Dixie Rect, who's mm-hmm. going to be performing in a competition at Guava Lamp starting August the 8th. And so follow Dixie Rec there. But, like, Dixie will come to the apartment to get ready sometime, uh, and Spencer will help do the makeup. But that's a long – there's a couple of hours process, yeah. right? And then we – which I always thought – the first time we did it, I was like, well, this is interesting. Like, because we, we get in the Uber uh, with with Dixie dressed in, in drag. And so – but no, no one – it's not – I feel like even 10 years ago, it would have been like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Now, I mean, especially because we live in town, uh, I don't think the Uber drivers, even if they are Trump supporters, think anything of it. But like I can't imagine, and now even thinking about the small confined spaces like the gay bars are today. Yeah, take that you know to the '60s. Like how are those drag queens getting ready in there? Like in all you know, because that's a yeah. lot of stuff that they have to, to put together. So it's uh, still super dangerous. I mean, though. Well, here we are, yes. 53 years later, and the murder rate among trans is way oh yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, horrible. Yep, and the prostitution percentage that they do is far higher because who's going to hire them to this day? Yep. Because there's such a stigma around it. Right. There is. Yeah. Which again, I, you know, I think it's important for those folks that are less familiar, familiar with the community. It's like transgender crossdressers, drag queens are all different type. They're not the same, right? I mean, a transgender yep. person is someone who identifies, you know, as a different gender than they were born. Yep. A crossdresser is someone who, you know, dresses as a the opposite gender, right? Than they they identify with. But they don't I don't think they 
they do that as a, a, a form of expression. And then drag is a performance art, right? I mean, that's something entirely different than, than cross-dressing or, or transgender, being transgender. And, you know, if, if I have that wrong, any, anyone who's listening, feel free to correct. But I mean, that's kind of my understanding of how those things are. And I, I just want to put that out because I continue to learn, like, understand, you know, learn the nuances yeah. of kind of the, the community and, and, and that respect because I'm, I'm not used to it. You know, so. what's interesting about this. So one of the outcomes that was later, but, um, you know, at the time they, they, they couldn't get legitimate jobs. And it was like, if they went in with a, you know, an ID, a state ID that said they were male, but they were obviously looked female. Um, so like the, San Francisco, like mental health board or something would actually issue people a card saying that they suffered from this disease of transgender or cross-dressing. And so with that, they could actually get legitimate jobs, hmm. you know? And so that was the workaround because the state wouldn't allow, you know, them to change their gender wow. on there. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. But w- one thing that's also really cool about this is, this was a really rough area. You know, I mean, they literally didn't know when they went out every night if they were going to survive not cool, or not. Tony. <laughs> it's cool. But a lot of them, so, you know, I watched this documentary, I think you did too, on mm-hmm. Amazon. And, you know, even though it was that rough and they were, you know, that, um, you know, in survival mode, they loved it. Like, you know, they said it was like Oz. It was just they loved getting dressed up walking down and i mean some of the footage in there it was they they looked fabulous they were all decked out yeah it was um so it's kind of interesting that even though their life was that tough you know they like a part of them loved every minute of it i do want to say you know because you mentioned we don't know the date right yeah and and i that's one of the things you know for for what it's worth to anyone who's listening like we do I mean, while none of us are historians, we do take a lot of effort to try to find like the fact base. I mean, it's yeah. not just, we're not reading this off Wikipedia. We're yeah. trying to find the newspaper articles, the magazine articles, the YouTube yeah. interviews or documentaries that are supporting this. And, uh, you know, you did it and I know I did it too, to try to find the date of when this actually happened. And there's no date, but I mean, the pre- president Obama he did recognize the site as a, you know, a LGBT landmark or yep. a national oh, landmark. Yeah. Uh, during his term. So to not, I think on the 50th anniversary and so in 2016 uh so it is there is you know it's not just something that's a pipe you know like a, yeah. a an urban no, legend and i mean this lady yeah. that um this phd you know uh student that found you know basically really brought this you know back into the public eye um i mean she did exhaustive research and she couldn't you yeah. know it was just a few weeks after the picket Right. Which yep. I, I appreciated her because I, you know, I've, for my, my day job, Economy Works, like I do a blog there as well. And I, I was researching something recently and I was trying to find a, a nugget of information. Like all these PhD students, like these dissertations were all sorting some like obscure like thing, editorial that was written in, in, in the Wall Street Journal, which had, was based on no facts. Like there was no stuff. My point is we do a lot of effort to try to make sure yeah, we, we know yeah, where yeah, this yeah. is, you know, where these, these facts, maybe we got you know, we're off by a day or two, or we may misstate something in the course of our dialogue. But um, I, I think it's important for folks to know that these things are all well-researched and uh, grounded in, 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 in fact. Uh, and you can find the document, you know, if you want, if you're curious, we can point you to the articles and the, and the documentaries where we're, we're getting all this information. So any, any other? No, no, that's it. But no. um, definitely an interesting story. And, you know, I'm glad that um, this was kind of like researched and brought back into the 
you know, public awareness because it would have been sad if that was just lost to history. Yeah, that was a good story. Good, good, good. All right, so we're going to switch gears. We get to talk about politics and history. I'm going to talk about some recent history. So last year, August 1st, 2018, uh, Beth Ford, uh, she became the president and CEO of, of Lando Larks, the, the Lando Larks uh, brand. Uh, and so, is that butter? Yes, butter, dairy products. I mean, so Lando Larks is kind of a, what they call a Lando Lakes. Yeah, like am I saying Lando Larks? <laughs> Lando Our Lakes. research is yes. impeccable. <laughs> impeccable. See, listen, Shut Lando up, Lakes. Bitch. Yes. Kendall. <laughs> the La- Lando Larks. It's a, you can find Just it. Just trust it's us. A, it's a second chapter. Thomas wanted uh, to make sure. I can't believe it's not butter because it's not. Thomas Lando wanted to make sure you weren't sleeping because yeah. you haven't had any Red Bull today. Yeah. Plenty of Red Bull. Thanks for catching that. Uh, okay, so the land, the Lando Lakes. Uh, first, so what's her significance? Why are we talking about Beth Ford? Uh, Beth. Well, well. Let's first let's talk about Lando Lakes, right? So it's a they claim to be a farm to fork uh, business. Their mission is to uh, feed humans and you know uh, feed human progress around the world. So they are again butter dairy products. Uh, they also do Purina, so they're that's another brand that that's they have. In uh, Cozy Shack puddings, like I don't know that brand, but that's a brand. I was I threw that out there only because I was thinking maybe Tony might like. Oh yeah, I used to eat that all the way in Montana. No, uh, no. Okay, well they do that. He ate uh, moose. And- yeah, so it's rice pudding, tapio, like various puddings. So um, the full spectrum. Uh, so I think the waste from uh, Purina pet food then goes into the puddings. Just kidding. I don't the think that happens. I'm pretty yeah. sure it yeah. does. That's not or how Or vice works. versa. There you go. The waste from everything else goes into the dog food. <laughs> That's they get it from Lark Lake. Hey, our dogs would like it. Anyways, uh, but uh, uh, so on August 1st, 2018, Beth Ford becomes the president and CEO of the company, not Lando Larks, but Lando Lakes. Uh, she is the first woman to be appointed uh, uh, that leadership role for Lando Lakes. Um, and this was a big company. It's a Fortune 500 company. There were there are 212 on the Fortune 500 list. They have 10,000 employees. They have 15 billion dollars in revenue. Why are we talking about Beth Ford? Uh, not just because butter, she worked at a company that I used to work with. She spent 10 years at that company where I used to work. She did. But, yeah. Well, uh, I didn't, company we will not name. We didn't cross paths. But she's the first out lesbian to lead a Fortune 500 company. So. Kudos to her. Yeah, that's a big, big accomplishment. So how did she come to be? She was, uh, after a series of executive positions at Land of Lakes, Land of Lakes, uh, she, uh, including chief operating officer uh, and various other leadership roles, uh, she, she was with the company since 2012. And then, like I said, in 2018, was named the uh, president and CEO. Um, so again, she joined in 2012. Uh, her career started in the mid eighties. She started with mobile oil. Uh, she then popped into PepsiCo, uh, also w- worked in publishing and then, uh, various other roles until, uh, the Lando Lakes gig in 2012. Um, she is only one of 33 women leading fortune 500 companies. So that's 6% of yeah. all those CEO positions uh, are filled by women. Um, she's age 55. She was born in Iowa. Uh, she's got an MBA from Columbia. She went to undergrad in Iowa State. Um, she is. She's been uh, with the same woman for over twenty six over twenty six years. Her wife is Jill Schertz, who is also a successful businesswoman. And what uh, what uh, Beth Ford says is that she was uh, smitten with her wife since the day she met her. Smitten uh, with the kitten. How did they meet? The kitten. Yeah. So they met through a mutual friend. And so while while uh, Beth Ford was working at Mobile, uh, 
she got to know her and um, they had some discussion as she was going into Columbia to grad school, uh, but they ult- ultimately stayed together. And so they've been together for over 26 years. Nice. Uh, it's a short relationship. Yeah. For right. I know. She credits her wife with being a, a good advice giver, not only because she says, not only because she knows me, but because she's a strong business person, has a spine of steel and doesn't ever waver uh, from her true north. They have a tongue of steel. <laughs> yes. Yes. They have uh, three teenage children. Uh, they, I think, they're like the power lipstick lesbians. Cause, I mean, they are. Uh, are they both cute? Yeah, they're both cute. So, wow. um, three teenage children. Um, the woman, she gets up at 5 a.m. She's a no snooze button pusher. Uh, she just says, no, I get up. She's got to go work out. She starts her day and is works like a hoss. Uh, how, how so? She's one of eight kids, again, growing up in Iowa. Uh, her mom said, told Farm her kid. growing up, she said, if you want something, you got to ask for it. Uh, and she had tough jobs growing up. She uh, was detasseling corn, cleaning toilets for two bucks an hour. Um, so she was working hard. Um, she contributes like, Keys to success. She's like she recognizes diversity. She says all diverse voices are absolutely critical. Um, in representation is important. You need to connect with people. Uh, you need to main comp- uh, maintain confidence, accept failures, and learn from them to move on. Like those to her are keys to success. And she says also that you know her leadership. The reason she is who she is is not because she's part of a team. It's a team leadership. She says is a team sport. She says I don't need to be the star of the com- the conversation. The team puts you in that position to succeed. So she's not one of those people who's like I, me, me. Although she is one who asked for the ball. I mean, she wanted to be the CEO. Softball. Yeah, oh, okay. Softball. She wanted to be the CEO. She told the board and her boss. Was there any backlash up. to her? No, I mean, I mean, she she was she was she's always been out right, and so she was kind of and she proved herself so it wasn't like oh we're going to pick the lesbian she was in leadership positions along the way uh and and you know has has become the successful uh ceo so she's one of when did she become ceo so 2018 august 1st okay yeah so uh a year ago and but she's one of only a few out uh, lgbt ceos in the fortune 500 ranks uh of course you have tim cook right apple Um, yeah tim cook with apple um but tim cook like he was appointed uh to the ceo position uh after steve jobs Mm -hmm. left in 2011 but he came out afterwards right and so i think publicly yeah yeah so he wasn't out publicly um so he kind of was CEO first and then came out the first gay man to, to be in the position like as an out person was James Federling uh, of Dow he was appointed to uh, the the leadership position there the head position in 2018 just a few months before Beth Ford was so Beth Ford again an out lesbian becomes a CEO uh, on August 1st 2018 it's awesome um, again as the as, as I just mentioned and the human rights campaign would note HRC this is not a story of someone getting into the higher echelon echelons of leadership and then coming out this is someone walking into the role with her full self so i mean that's a big accomplishment right because i mean we've talked about like barney frank right he was elected first and then later came out to be and you know like um rising through the ranks of some of these companies as an out person you you gotta like we've both been in the corporate world like you're limited right you know and so um you do that the, with a risk yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's a I big mean, risk well yeah. and she's noting right she's like you can be out and and get to that leadership position but you and i know like if you do that it's especially as a, a guy i mean i think you know i was reading an article recently about anise parker and like she was noting that out lesbians get uh um get elected to 
positions more than out gay men do. And she mm. said par- partly because, you know, women uh, will get to those positions later in life. And so they'll, they'll join politics a little bit later. Right? We talked a few episodes ago about like Nancy Pelosi and, yep. and Hillary Clinton, like not running for their first position until their late 40s, or yeah. late 50s. At that point, you have a track record. And so it's more than like, oh, this is the shiny new yeah. lesbian. Like this is a person who's got Done credibility. Shit, right? Yeah. And so and versus men, we tend to be more ambitious. We tend to be more risk takers. So we're like Pete Buttigieg, who's 37 years yeah, old. And like, I can run for president versus all the women. You don't see any women that are that young being like, yeah, I'm a lesbian. I could do that. Yeah. Um, you could argue if AOC will do that at 35. But even still, if she does that, she would have been Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She would have been a congresswoman for six years at, at that yeah, point. Yeah. Right. So yeah. she'll run for president. Yeah. So. Those are those are you know I think some contributing factors to why she has been successful uh, in the way she she has. But uh, I I don't know I mean I it, it, again kudos to to this woman for doing that. Uh, she's had quite the varied career and she's been it seems like purposeful throughout her her time to get to the CEO position. Um, I would like to if if you guys will let me in, in or entertain me. Nope. Ah <clears throat> uh, yes. And a discussion that's more related to like she's an out lesbian, right? And and we talked about her own experiences, Tony, in the corporate world. But just being out in the corporate world, like that's not an easy thing that's to do, not, yeah. right? I mean, it's easier now than it's a, worse in some fields. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's easier now than it was 20 years ago. Uh, even when I came out at work 10 years ago, I think, you know, it was still kind of, I mean, there was me, I could look around and there was me and the other, the other guy that I hired in with that I'm thinking of, Hey Josh, uh, it, he, he was not out at the time. Like, I mean, Josh will say like he opens his mouth and a purse file falls out, but it's like, but he was never like claiming he was gay. Yeah. He was just if you assume that about him, then he was okay. But at that time, you know, he started to come out in 2009 out to the workplace as did I. And now again, as I was leaving we looked around and like, you can't spit without, you know, kidding a gay guy, like an out as gay man. Around, right. <laughs> but my, but I guess my point is like, it's, it's, it's now more accepting, but even still you do it at a risk. Right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting. I think like Kendall said, you know, um, it depends like, you know, it varies by industry, but, um, so one of my old coworkers, we worked together probably about 10 years ago. So he, so we had this job and the ad, one of the admins, her best friend was gay. And so she would, you know, go to the gay bars once in a while with him. And my thought was, you know, if she sees me, who cares? Because a, she's obviously cool with the gay thing. And B, she knows that like, if, I was out at work, it would have a detrimental impact to how it was treated. So she's not going to do that. Right. But he was paranoid. And also it's like, Brian, we're obvious, you know, I think it's, and so, um, he would like literally get kind of sick to his stomach and leave. He's like, Oh my God, if I saw Misty there, I was like out of there. And so he, um, but you know, so he's 10 years older than I am and he started his banking career in, Atlanta, probably for a smaller bank. And at the time, I remember him saying, if you weren't kind of married and on your way to having kids by like early to mid 20s, they're like, this is a client business. What are you doing? You know? And so that's kind of his mindset. And so he actually called me this week. He applied for this job and um, he was asking me questions about it because I used to work at this company. And he's like, well, 
like, what's the deal with, you know, how are they going to treat me because I'm gay and yada yada. But it's it's a factor for him about, you know, like it's. Well, can I ask this question? Like, is he in the same position as you? Like, in terms of, like, seniority no, level? he's a top. He's a t- yeah, I mean, probably a little more. Uh, about the same. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's well, 10 years older than I am, but yeah, about well, the same. But, yeah. but, I mean, that says something, right? I mean, he's spent his whole life being closeted. Again, yeah. his his upbringing has taught him that, right? Yeah. And that's a not that's somewhat a reflection on him, a bigger reflection in terms of how I think he was he was raised, but he's 10 years older than you are and in the same position. You know what I mean? It's just like and he's lived all that life closet is like yeah. you would have been out well, and the thing maybe is, you could have brought you more of yourself to work every yeah, time the, and, and the thing is it's like everybody knows like you know about him about because you know like people would talk I think people so, care a lot less than yeah some of us older gays well and here's the thing like the industry i work in if i showed up every day with this huge rainbow flag they're like uh, what the fuck are you doing but, it's but that's like, like any any flag yeah, that you not, would wave and, yeah it's like if you're not like you know waving it around every day they're not going to treat you differently and so my attitude's always been like just don't put it in our face which that's kind of what you hear but i mean the corporate world does that for everything i mean if you're you're you can be too you you can too too black like if i mean i've heard black people say in corporate environment like they've been told hey you guys need to split up like seeing all you black people at the same table is not good right that you need to split up because yeah, people crazy. are going to talk which and their comment is like you don't tell that to white people who are yeah, all sitting exactly, at the table yeah. to go you know talk to black people but that's some of the thing if you're too hispanic if you're too latino like that's a thing too like so yeah. i mean it there is this kind of fine line well, because uh, the majority uh, sets the tone right. so if the vast majority is straight white christian men you have to take their lead unfortunately mm. or else you make them uncomfortable yeah and then they mm. want to get rid of you or not say anything but i because uh, it's it's odd to them although in 2019 i do think sometimes not overall it could act being gay could actually help you for well, instance look at megan rapino she's getting all these endorsements well for instance the republican party loves a minority if they can find a minority that agrees with their positions they'll like bottom to positions so, if you look at Tim Scott, the black senator from South Carolina, Ben Carson, Ben Carson, Nikki Haley, Bobby Jindal, there are no. many, many. I feel like putting Ben Carson's name with Nikki Party. Haley is like, oh, those two people are, are not the same. Nikki Haley. No, I'm just saying they're not the same person, sir. But I think the reason is they're so desperate to show, look, we're not racist, or we are accepting. And a lot of times, not a lot, but there are times in the corporate world where it's like they're eager to show. Look how diverse we are. I think it depends on the company and industry because my industry, they don't give, like, no. They, like, my last job, we would hire 27 college graduates a year. Every year, there was one non white male. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, so they don't give a fuck about diversity. That's insane. But in a lot of industries, yet, like when I was at Chevron, they, which yeah, rightfully guess. so, because they're like, if you have different backgrounds, you think of things differently, and they want and, all that. And, and, and there's a legal solving. requirement to do that. I mean, but yeah, yeah, sure, Tony, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mean, yeah, actually, yeah. one of their yeah. business rationale too was, you know, if um, we hire people from all these different countries, they have assets in all these countries, yep. so it's like a lot easier. Oh, a Colombian person came here for a few years for college. Let him work here for a few years. We have it because, you know, if they yeah. send an American to Colombia, it's like, why, why should we have this yeah. person work here? 
Yeah. yeah. I do want to just correct something I said earlier. I was like, oh, you, you know, to your colleague who was uh, 50 years Landalark, old. I'm like, let, yeah, Landalark, just come out. Like, it, it's not that easy, right? I mean, it just it's, it's not, not very easy but, just know, to come out. In his out. mind, and I used to think of this 10 years ago where it's like, you know, you you can't, like, my industry, like, I could never bring a, a guy to the company holiday party or anything. It's like, but my mind is also, my mindset has always been, look, if you see me at the grocery store with somebody and you have an issue, that's, I mean, you can fire me tomorrow. I'll happily work somewhere else because I don't want to live under that pressure. Whereas I think he's even paranoid of that. And it's like, Brian, you can't control that. And yeah. if, But what do you think would happen if you brought a guy to the, if you, because you can't convince a guy to go on a date with you? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, no, you can pay. You, all jokes aside. Girl, you make enough money, happen, you can pay for someone. Because I think what happens is we get so used to, the nevers that we tell ourselves. Mm, no, I think, um, like I would be treated drastically differently and I feel like they would be looking for some way to, to get rid of you. I mean, seriously, it's, it's a weird industry. It, yeah, I will say this though. I do. I mean, I've had people having a background in HR, people like uh, always come to you like they're trying to fire me. I'm, what I would say, maybe banking's differently, but I've worked in a couple different industries. It's like, it takes more effort to try to fire an employee than it does to just like have them do oh, no, their thing. Yeah. What you're saying is he's paranoid. Yeah. Is that what well, no, but I, I mean, it, it's it, no, but it, it, there, I think there's some legitimacy to that, but I also think to what you're saying, Kendall, is that, you know, sometimes we, we have this in our head, like, Oh no one's cause I, I mean, I did too. Like when I, before I came out and would talk about Kendall, uh, in, in, um, you know, in our relationship, like I, I felt like, oh, people aren't going to get it. And then because I, I don't know, I, I guess my point is like, and then I started talking about it and no one cared. I mean, they, most of the time people were like, my bosses name. were like, thank you for telling me that. Like, I didn't know that. And I, granted, I'm sure they voted for Trump and they're conservative, but I do think they were like, oh, like this guy works hard. He's good at what he does. And yeah, that's, I guess I don't really care if he's. It is kind of different because I feel like finance in general is kind of like this it's way better in new york but you got to figure like what i do every bank has a houston branch and all they do is oil and gas and there's like you know 10 to 30 employees in these things and they're run by some texan that's you know in his 60s very different yeah I mean, you're and right so yeah yeah because oil and gas is very different i mean i worked for yeah. i you know uh, communications and i have touched uh, the automotive industry and even that industry, it was more progressive. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot has come that has enabled people to come out like, and this is why legislation matters. This is why it matters who you vote for. Uh, if you think about what happened during Obama's administration, um, yet he passed an executive or he enforced or, uh, applied an executive order that basically said if you're a federal contractor, uh, you can't discriminate. You know, you need to grant protections to LGBT people, right? You need to have policies in place that are going to protect yep. uh, sexual orientation and gender identity. So that helps, right? When all those companies have to ad adhere to that and uh, adjust their policies, that is something that's going to going to make it easier for people to come out at work. Same thing with marriage equality. Now, granted, that wasn't Obama who did that, but the Supreme Court who, who made that happen. Uh, I mean, when you have that happen, when that's a legal uh, right across the United States that people of LGBT uh, relationships can get married to the person who they love and have the same benefits, then, then it makes it easier for you to come out, right? Because you know 
there are some federal protections there, right? So yep. that makes it easier. But that said, um, even though 91, according to the HRC, the Human Rights Campaign, even though 91% of companies in the Fortune 500 some have some sort of anti-discrimination policy that protects LGBTQ uh, employees, uh, a survey said that only half of the people in, in working in those companies are, are out. So the other half are still closeted. So you have all these policies. You have us here in 2019, well, and you still have half the LGBT community going to work every day, not being them their true well, selves. And I guess um, an example of this. So um, as part of our running group, there was this lady who she worked for a major oil company, and her husband um, – after they were married several years, he, you know, told her, he's like, look, I've always wanted to be a woman. So he started the process um, uh, to do that. So she worked for this major oil company. She took a package because they said, okay, we're having these layoffs. And she said, yeah, I want to do something differently. And so while they did that, another major oil company that's one of the most progressive oil companies out there bought those assets. And they said, look, they want everybody to go over there for a year to kind of transition the assets. Would you extend work another year, blah, blah, blah. And she agreed to, and this company has a very, um, active LGBT network. They're probably in the pride parade. Um, but, and I used to go to these out and equal, uh, you know, group things. And, you know, everybody from that company was like it, whatever, you know? And, um, so when that girl said, okay, you know, I'm going to go to work for this company for a year, a coworker pulled her aside and said, look, you know, I would not talk about your personal life because my husband works there. And for the technical people, you know, it's like, it's, it's fine if you're like an IT person to be like in the gay network, but technical person, no, they're going to treat you like shit. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's interesting though, because again, going back to kind of the HRC survey, you know, they, they asked people why they weren't out top reasons. You guys, I'm sure, will think this is interesting. I'm mentioning it because I do think it is interesting. One of the top reasons, fear of being stereotyped. Another reason, fear of making others uncomfortable. Uh, fear of losing connections with the people that they're, they're, mm. they're friends with and, and, and acquaintances with, with at work. And fear of others thinking that they'll be attracted to them, right? So the straight people oh, will really? be like, oh, uh, you're gay. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's because you, uh, never mind, Ben's here. I'm just kidding. No, oh there's God. nothing there. Say it. Uh, no. This is just because you're you. Thank you. Uh, that was but, actually sweet. But I, I think, like you said, it, it's it's kind of crazy that again. It is kind of interesting because one of the things I, out, like, not that I go to the gym, you've seen my waistline, but um, I always think of that like if I was ever like at a company where everybody like went to the, you know, like a lot of people went to the gym. I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, would people be, like, weirded out, like, in the locker room with me? Because they're like, oh, is he? Who cares if they are? Well, cause especially, like, the industry I work in, because I feel like most people I work with, like, don't know any gay people. <laughs> well, so th that same survey asked non-LGBT people, like, you know, about their perceptions of LGBT people. And they said uh, almost half of the people that were surveyed, non-LGBT people, said they felt uncomfortable about having LGBT, LGBT people out because they didn't want to hear about their sex lives. Mm -hmm. So like, oh, if these people are out, they're going to talk about their sex lives. Uh, well, at some point we have to stop caring what they think. Yeah. The only reason we have any rights right now is because there are people with guts in the past that yep. said, look, they were examples. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think 
I think you're right. I mean, and so that that's you know why I think someone like Beth Ford is successful in terms of becoming a CEO because she said, hey, I'm just going to be who who they are. But because of the these circumstances, these these beliefs that people in the community, LGBT community, and the non-LGBT community hold, like that, those are barriers to to success. I mean, you've got 20, 30 percent of people, LGBT people, feel uncomfortable at work. They avoid work functions. They don't you know go to happy hours. If you're not attending those happy hours. Networking oh, events, limit your career. It, yeah, it's going to be hard yeah. to promote, which is, I think, a factor for women in terms of why they can't be as successful. They have to work twice as hard, right? Because yep. Tony, you and I can go to, even though we're gay, we can still go to happy hour. Uh, Shit, with, I, need, I don't with, miss no happy hour. <laughs> But, right, I'll never miss them. But with with the boss, right? We can go play golf with the boss, even though yep. I suck at golf. But those are things we can do. Versus a woman's got to worry about childcare, yep. all that sort of stuff, like yep. or feeling bad because she's not there, you know, with her kids. Yep. And you and I don't have to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, and you you know, like a point on that, and you are expected to kind of keep up with everybody, like if you you know people are drinking and stuff. And so I read uh, Carly Fiorina's biography. You know, she was the CEO of HP. And she ran for president. She did. And that face, is that what Donald Trump said? Look <laughs> at that face. Butter face. Yeah. But when she was CEO, or when she was kind of climbing the ranks, she was uh, on certain projects where she would have to go to Brazil a lot. And of course, they drink a lot. And, you know, if she would have said, oh, I'm going to bed early, you know, it would have been like, mm. You know, they're all about relationships. And so she, what she would have to do is they'd go to the bar and have a drink or two. And she'd be like, hey, I'm going to run to the restroom. And she would tell the bartender, every round from now on, I need water. But, you know, so she had to act like I'm keeping up with everybody versus. Yeah, or I used to work. I mean, yeah, they'd have to go. Act like it's a vodka soda, but the, it's water. They would go hunting, right? So the CEO and the top people and the folks that they yep. were trying to bring up, they'd have to go hunting. So they would tell the birds, look, play dead. Right. But well, you that's know they had orgies at those hunting camps. They were not. Hunting. But they were all men except for a uh, random woman. And I remember asking one of the female like executives, I'm like, you feel comfortable with that? She's like, she actually got defensive because she was trying to prove her point. Like, I, yeah, I can hang with the rest of the guys. And I'm like, well, I wasn't saying, look, hey, I'm on your team. But she was she was just mindful. Like, hey, don't don't try to you know, pigeonholed me to be like, yeah, I yeah. only like to get manis and petties. She's like, I'll go hunting with them if I need to. Was she and a lesbian? The, no, no, she wasn't. She was actually, act, mm, no. She still had a pigeonhole. Yeah, so she, <laughs> she had a pigeonhole. But yeah, I, you know, my, my point is like, it's great that Beth Ford has been able, and I, and I, and I think it's awesome, but there's still a long way to go in, in, in the workplace. Um, you know, the HRC notes that, you know, their, their top federal legislative priority is to win passage of the Equality Act, which is a bill that was passed by the House and still sitting with the Senate that would add comprehensive protections for the LGBTQ people into the nation's extensive civil rights law. So until that's passed, I mean, we're all subject to whatever, oh, yeah. especially being in Texas. And this oh, is what I yes. wanted to talk at the beginning. Freaking recently, I was reading an article about uh, Texas passing their Chick-fil-A bill. And it's like, oh, now mm -hmm. businesses could be protected by their religious rights. I'm like, so a business can be protected by, its, you know, for its religious rights. But people like us can't, you know, are discriminated exactly. against uh, but for the people we love. But thank you, Chick-fil-A, for doing your thing. My point is this Equality Act uh, is important to be passed. So uh, I'm going to go on a little tyrant here. Uh, if you're tyrant? not tyrant or a tirade here, rather, the wine. Uh, 
register to vote. If you're not registered to vote, Please. go vote. I mean, I mean, obviously we can't vote yet, but I mean, uh, that's important to to make Elections sure. Not matter. the Canadian intern. Not the Canadian. Because they'll just prove Trump, right? Right. So he loves Trump. But I I do think you know it it, it is a significant just kind of bringing it back to Beth Ford. A significant accomplishment for Beth Ford to be the first out lesbian yeah. uh, CEO. And I mean, also a woman. I mean, you said there's and also a lesbian because I couldn't do what she does. Right. <laughs> But you know she's she she I think is very yeah, humble. Yeah, very few women right. CEOs in yeah. terms of what she's done. She's like, look, life's a journey. It's about a number of first, seconds, thirds. So she's hoping, yeah, yeah, I've yep. been a first, but you know, other people are going to come well, behind me. Well, Tony is the bottom. You wouldn't know this, but it's lonely at the top. <laughs> I know. Uh, all right. So it was a good Kiki. Anything? Any any parting words before we wrap up? Well, you know, I'm over Kendall, but you know. <laughs> All right, so get your tricks spayed and neutered. That was good. I, I mean, oh, tricks! Did tricks. somebody say tricks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not the cereal kind. That's not what Tony's looking for. He's looking for homeless people that he can turn. Yes. What? Where are your homeless people? God. Maybe we'll get you one for your birthday. Outside. <gasps> oh my God! <laughs> Please bring a homeless person to my birthday party. <laughs> In a bow tie. Little bird. Yes. <laughs> you need to get your own homeless people. All right. So with that. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Well, we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you like what you heard, subscribe to hear future episodes and visit our website at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff and on Twitter at Talk Gay Stuff. Be sure to follow us on social, though. You get a daily dose of the day in LGBT history, plus you get some fun pics of of all of our our smiling faces. Uh, Also, don't forget to give a listen to our our friends, our sister podcast, our spoopy podcast, which is available now. Um, and, uh, I'll be guest starring on that. Oh yeah. Tony, yeah. you've got a feature coming up mm-hmm. with the, with them. So you'll be telling a story. All our listeners from Montana. Montana or Butte, Montana going to have some true crime from Butte. All right. So we'll wrap up Tony, a happy 40th birthday to you. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, it's been as happy as the 40th birthday can be. No, but seriously, it's a 40s a big milestone. So happy birthday to you! Uh, Looking forward to celebrating with you. And uh, barely, you know, I'm like terminal with this hernia. Not far (laughs) behind you. So with that, we're here. Workwear. Get used to it.